A reading from the book of Psalms, number 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my, all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The word of the Lord. Good morning, Emmanuel. How are you doing today? I'm super jazzed to be with you. I'm super excited to be with you. Um, this is a, a fantastic honor. I didn't know, I just found out that this is the second time that you're meeting up here, which is so neat. I'm so grateful that we're able to be here together. Um, I'm thrilled. We're, we're gonna talk today about um, what I think is a really important subject um, that the scriptures teach us about. And it's an important subject because God knows that we're broken, like really broken. And so um, we're gonna talk today about repentance. And I know you woke up today going, you know what I can't wait to hear about in church? I just can't wait till you tell me how messed up I am and how much I need to repent. And so um, as our friends online now go to their Facebooks and Instagrams, let's focus on what God would teach us today. Um, I was actually, uh, interestingly enough, this week, my wife, uh, she had a gallbladder surgery. And um, she had her gallbladder removed and then had some complications. So I was there with her and she, she had to stay a few days and all that. And um, as she, uh, as I left her, I, I decided, you know, I think I'll just walk home. You know, it's, the hospital was on 14th and first, uh, 16th and first. And um, and so I just started to walk and went to the Willie, the Williamsburg Bridge, the Willie B. And um, as I got, um, as I started, got close to the Willie B, 
um, I saw a friend of mine and this friend uh, had come to our church and he was using and he he got clean for like like a good long time, like nine months. He was uh, using all sorts of different drugs, really, really hard drugs. And um, I saw him and he wasn't doing so well. And so we spent about a half hour talking. And have you ever had a conversation with someone like where they are really wrestling, like they're torn inside. And so the choice was to go towards, um, towards his preferred sin or to come with me. And I told him, hey, come on, we're gonna get clean together, come on. We'll, and you know, I'll get you into a place. It was a little late, so I told him, I said, hey, listen, if I can't get you into a place today, I'll just, you'll just sit with me in my office. We'll, we'll sleep there together. And we'll wake up tomorrow and then we'll, because you, you, uh, it's when you're uh, moving towards something like that and you need a friend next to you. I said, come on, and I'll, and I'll confess to you all my sins. It'll be a blast. And so he was like, I, I, I can't, I just, I was like, come on, come on, come on. This is, this is killing you, come on. And he goes, I can't. And so I did what I, I didn't know what else to do. So I just started quoting scripture to him and just sharing him uh, Romans 8 and Psalm 34 and uh, Psalm 91 and just kind of just, just quoting them to him. And it's like, I can't, I can't. And then he walked away. And I got so emotional at that. I got emotional because I recognized that when he was walking away. I was thinking about myself and thinking about how many times I had been given an opportunity to turn towards Jesus, but I chose sin instead. And by the way, it just dawned on me where you're Anglican and I'm doing the long form version of this sermon and I should probably truncate it. I just realized that I was like, oh my gosh, I just wasted half of my time on the introduction. <laughs> I was like, oh no. You guys are supposed to leave in like five minutes, right? It's like, oh no. All right, pack a lunch because this is going to take a while and I don't care. Okay. All right. No, seriously speaking. But I, I started, I just got emotional as I was walking, as he was walking away because I realized that I'm no different than that. And I wonder if I'm the only one in here who's no different than that. You know what I mean? Who has been presented with an opportunity to walk towards Christ, repent, turn away from their sins, or choose him, or that, or it, or her. Like to choose the thing that's opposite Christ, like anti-Christ. We don't think of it that way when we when we're all stressed out and move towards, you know, having another helping of food. We don't think of it like that, but it's we're moving towards something other than Christ. We don't think of it like that when we're given an opportunity to lift someone up at the, uh, at the job and instead we tear them down. We don't think of it like that, but we're choosing away from Christ. Now, the reason we so need this message today 
is because in your life and mine, there are going to be moments where our darling sin, you know what your darling sin is? I know what mine are. Do you know what yours are? You know, the one that you keep on running back to, the one that you do over and over again, the one that if anybody spent 30 minutes with you, they'd figure out, but you haven't quite noticed yet. That darling sin. And so the question is, if that's in us, how does God respond? Well, the good news is God knows that you're a mess. Beloved, this is really, really important. If you're here, your very presence is a confession of how messed up you are. If you don't believe that, think about what you believe. You actually believe, some of you, that you're so bad that God couldn't think of any other way to redeem you to himself other than giving his life for you. And so if we believe that and we mess up the way I do, the way Sean does, the way, like if we mess up like that, then we're gonna need to, to, to discover a way of coming back to God and turning from those things that really harm us. Today, that's what we're gonna focus on. And listen, if you're here and you're new, okay, two things, take comfort. I'm not gonna come back next week. And so you're in good shape. I promise if you come back next week, the sermon will be far better than it is today and shorter. Secondly, if you're here and you're new, you get to listen to, and you're like not a Christian yet. Maybe you came because you're, you know, your friend invited you, your spouse invited you, whatever it is. You get to hear about how Christians deal with guilt and shame because it's something that we all walk around with. And I know that the masks that you have on your faces right now are not the only ones that you wear. And so how can we live in joy and in freedom? How can we live not bonded to the guilt of the past, the, the things that we've done that we feel so ashamed about? How can we live not tethered to them? Now, God knows that all of us are gonna have to face that one day and so he gives us this beautiful process called repentance. And there's this wonderful text in Psalm 51. It's just amazing. And so we just read it, so I won't read it again, but we're going to be looking at little parts of it. We don't have time to look at all the entire chapter. That would take too long. But we're going to look at um, a little bit at a time. Now, let me just give you like two minute rundown of how this Psalm was birthed. So there's this guy, his name is King David. King David is one of the, is the most famous king in Israel. Like you've heard of him, right? Like if you've never been, who here has not heard of King David? Okay, so King David's a big deal. Even if you never came to a church service or anything like that, King David, you've heard of him. Okay, so King David is like this beautiful guy who loves God and is pursuing God and then does a sharp right. Have you ever done that? Like everything's going well. And then you're just like, whoa, where did that come from? You ever look at the rearview mirror of your life at any point and go, what on earth was I thinking? And like every girl here just thought about their college years, right? Like, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what was I thinking? What was I even think? So, so David made a, far, a, a sharp right and it was insane. He gets up, he looks out, he sees this woman, 
she's slamming, like fantastic, pretty, gorgeous, marvelous, beautiful. He looks at her and he goes, I gotta have her. Then he goes up to his uh, servant and he says, hey, get her for me because I'm the king. And in this story, we're gonna experience the very first Me Too moment ever in print. There's a guy who's in power, who's gonna use his authority, his influence and his power to force a woman to do what she ought not and does not want to do. This is a terrible story. And by the way, guys, these are our heroes. Now, the reason I point out that these are our heroes and it's a terrible story and all this other stuff is because David wrote part of the scriptures, like the Psalms that we're reading, he wrote. And if that could happen to David, do you think you're exempt? Do you think you're exempt from simple little tiny sins that you don't consider that much that are really hurting you and your relationships? Do you think you're exempt from really massive, you know, go up on the seven o'clock news kinds of sins? We're not exempt. The servant says to David, hey, by the way, that's Uriah's wife, which was code word from the servant to let David know that she's off limits. And by the way, it's your boy, Uriah. Uriah is one of his closest friends, one of the guards, one of the king's guards. He literally trusts Uriah with his life. But David is beyond that. He sees something that he wants and he gets it. She leaves, comes back with a report, I'm pregnant. Then after David sins and finds out the jig is up, instead of coming clean, he has a bright idea. Have you ever had a bright idea after you sinned? Oh my, I'll know, I'll just delete these cookies. I know, I'll just act like Vegas never happened. I know, I just, whatever it is, like whatever your deal is, he got a bright idea, developed the whole thing invites uh, her husband back, his name is Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, says, gets him drunk and says, go, now go sleep with your wife. He's a genius. He sleeps with his wife, every, you know. Then he goes, oh my gosh, that one time, you're kidding me. After all that time away, you're pregnant. Isn't that marvelous? And then there's no problem. David's free. That's not what happens. Uriah, it turns out, when David was trying to get Uriah drunk, it turns out that Uriah is more honorable drunk then David is sober, doesn't go back into his wife, tries it again, doesn't go back. David comes up with another bright idea and he writes a letter, gives it to Uriah. Uriah carries it to the commanding officer and the letter says, have Uriah killed. And he does. And several of Uriah's men died, were murdered that day. David then marries Bathsheba he becomes the hero of this story. Could you imagine? And then he gets confronted by this beautiful person named Nathan. We all need a Nathan in our lives. A person who tells us when we're in sin, a person who won't lie to us. Well, he has that person. Nathan confronts him on his sin. And after a year of no repentance, after a really long time of no repentance and no remorse, he doesn't care. He got away scot-free. God grabs a hold of his heart and leads him into repentance. That's what we're going to find out today in Psalm 51. Now, because nobody ever remembers 
any sermons ever, we, and if you don't believe me, try to think of what last week's sermon was, right? It's like, what was it? Was it? I think Matthew was in there somewhere. It was like a gospel or something. I don't know. So what we are going to do today is we're going to have hand gestures to remember what we're doing. And if you think you're too mature for that, you're wrong. We're doing it. It's going to be fun. And those of you who are joining us on a, online, the Pajama Army, I love you guys. You're going to join. And the reason that you're going to join in this, let me tell you why. And it's goofy and it's silly and it's, and it's foolish and all that other stuff, but it's also memorable. And the reason you're going to do this is because you're going to need to repent. Some of you right now, some of you are stuck in stuff. That's, it's hurting your heart. Never mind how much it's hurting God's heart. And so you're going to need to repent. And those of you who are like, no, 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 no. I'm like, good. I've, I've always been good. I'm, I'm perfect in every way. You're going to need to learn how to deal with your guilt and shame and repent. So we're going to do it together. So here it is. How do we repent? Well, we repent by seeing our sin seeing how do we go um, to move to repentance we see it we say it we mourn it and then we forsake it right so we see it say it mourn it and then forsake it. Now, we're going to do it three times together, and we're going to all say it so that it really gets into our heads, okay? What does repentance look like? How do we repent? Well, the way we repent is we see it, say it, mourn it, forsake it. Awesome. Let's do it again. See it, say it, mourn it, forsake it. One last time. We see it, we say it, we mourn it and forsake it. So how do we repent? Let's look at it. We see it. First of all, we have to, if we're going to repent, we have to see as God sees. We see this in verse four. Again, like I said, we're only going to be picking little things because I'm already way over time. And so we have to do this quick. So um, in verse four, I want you to notice, um, oh, this is terrible when I don't have my glasses. Uh, against you, you only have I done what is evil in your sight? Now, here's David. David is coming to God and he's going, okay, listen, I've hurt a lot of people. Do you think David does not know that he's hurt Bathsheba and he's hurt Uriah and he's hurt all those soldiers that were around him? Do you think that he's not known that? No, he, of course he knows this. Of course he knows this. But he recognizes that in the end, his sin is against the holy, perfect, and pure God. I'm not, when I, when I um, am harsh with my wife, of course I know I'm sinning against my wife. But more than that, I'm sinning against the Father in heaven who made her in his image. We have to see our sin as God sees it. So, with me, it's important that when I 
start seeing that I start going to the, in our church, we talk about the sin under the sin. What we mean about the sin under the sin is that in our sin, there's usually an idol that is moving, progressing, driving you to do whatever you do. It's why if you are a heroin addict, you might move from heroin to alcohol. And then if you stop heroin and alcohol, you might move to chocolate. And then if you stop chocolate, you might do cigarettes. In other words, there is something, there is a common denominator there. And it's the sin under the sin. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to um, discuss about this um, in real depth, but let me just give you a quick primer about the four idols that most people go to. One is called comfort. That's the pursuit of pleasure. Another is control. That's making sure that everything goes your way, not trusting Jesus for it to go his way. Approval. Seeking for others, seeking, seeking for others to uh, appraise you rather than receiving the appraisal of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And significance, wanting your name in lights. Wanting, you know, if you're not sure if you struggle with significance, just ask yourself, if you do a lot of work to set up a party and other people do it and they get the credit and you don't, do you get mad at that? If you do, then I just found one of yours. See? Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is important. When we see it as God sees it, we're not just, I didn't just say a harsh word to my wife. I tried to control her rather than allowing God to lead and control our marriage. Do you see the difference? See, I, I didn't just break the dirty picture rule, right? Because I clicked on this or I clicked on that. I didn't just, oh, bad Edwin, you broke the dirty picture rule. No, 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 no. What the, I tried to seek comfort from something, not Jesus. You see? Don't you see? When I'm overworking, and I'm putting all of my eggs in that basket because I got to go, you know, like climb up the ladder and I got to make sure, which by the way, work hard and be diligent and be focused. That's awesome. But when it gets to the point where your wife says or your husband says, hey, the kids don't know you anymore. You're, you're, you're missing something precious. You've put too much value on this thing. I go, oh, no, no, no. That's just not me with a, a, a good work ethic. That's me trying to gain significance in something that won't matter. Okay, I gotta see it the way God sees it. It's not just breaking the dirty word rule. It's not just, I drink, I drank one beer too many rule. No, 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 no. There's something that you're looking for that that thing that you do is the solution. That, that sin, we got to see it the way God sees it. And that sometimes takes counseling, and sometimes it takes uh, writing, and sometimes it takes um, sitting with your pastor and kind of working through that, or even with therapy or whatever, um, and finding a good Christian therapist who can help navigate through that stuff. But you got to, you, you can't do it on your own. 
You can't do it on your own. We need each other. This is the importance of us being together. We need each other. Okay, so we have to see it. Also, we have to say it. So let's, let's do the first two. We have to see it and we have to say it, right? Okay, so in verse five, uh, the, actually the entire Psalm, one could argue, is David's effort to say it. It's, it's David telling on himself. Could you imagine? What, how many people know your deepest, darkest sin? How about putting it in the like number one bestseller of all time? Like, you're not doing that. You're not even telling your mom. Right? It, it, David's effort to say, no, no, I, there's got to be something here. I have to confess this. I can't just keep this on my own, confessing it to God, confessing it to others. Look at verse five uh, through seven. We have to say it. Um, verse five says this. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Cleanse, jump to verse seven as well. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. This is David confessing God. No more excuses. No more, well, if my parents would have done a better job. No more, well, if they would have understood me. No more, well, if she would have given me more affection, I wouldn't have felt the need to go over here. No more. No more of that. God, here's the truth. I want what I want. A heart wants to sin. And I take greater pleasure in this thing than I do in you. That's the truth about me. And I pray when you pray prayers like that, that that, that breaks your heart. But no more sugarcoating. Uh, I was tired, you know, and so because. Have you ever done that? Have you ever heard someone confess or even confess yourself? It's most painful. We, we notice it when others um, confess to us and it's like full of like, like frivolity and silliness. Well, you know, if there's anything that I've done to perhaps offend or if any way that you could have perhaps seen or perceived anything that I said or done uh, that was offensive, I guess I'm kind of sorry. And it's just, it's absurd. I think that's how we go to God sometimes. Well, God, if there's anything that I could have possibly been. No, 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 no. Here's the truth about me. I don't want you. I want her. I don't want you. I want that. I don't want you. I'd And so we got to say it. We got to say it so that we could see how ugly it really is. It's got to. We got to see how ugly it really is. We have to see it. We have to say it. And then we have to mourn it. Let's say that together. We have to see it, say it, and mourn it. Okay. Actually, before I go um, to the morning, um, I, and I know we have very little time, but I just, I need to say this. If you go back to verse one, if you go back to verse one, this is super important because you won't be able to say it unless you understand the truth behind verse one. In fact, you'll, you'll, you'll be undone. You'll, you'll have a nervous breakdown. Um, it, it'll be too much for you. If you tell God the truth and you see yourself as you really are in all of your sin and how grimy you really, really are, if you see it, you'll be undone. You won't know where to go unless 
you have verse one in your life. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. In other words, the, the, the foundation, the basis, the very reason that we can pray this prayer at all, that we could see our sins, that I don't have to defend myself when someone points out my sin is because of the overwhelming, the unbelievable, the gracious, never-ending love of God. Don't you see? So when my wife says to me, hey, Edwin, I don't feel loved by you. I used to go, are you kidding me? I've got a list of things that I do as a loving husband that you need to see and recognize. I used to do that. And then God started to remind me that my identity is not found in her opinion. My identity is found in Christ. And if I am in fact loved, even though I'm a bad husband, and if I am in fact accepted, even though I'm a bad parent, and if I am in fact received, even though I'm a terrible pastor, and when she says that, instead of defending myself, I can go, can you tell me more? Can you share with me how this affects you? And if I get defensive, can you help me see that? I want to hear how broken you are about my brokenness. You see, I can't do that. I can't say that unless I know verse one. And if you don't know verse one, here's a wonderful opportunity for you to receive Christ. See, the beauty is, the, the gospel is this, that you are worse than you think and more loved than you can imagine. And if that is in fact true, then God is running towards you in your grimy, in your dirty, in your gully, in your messed up, in your sin. God is running to you. He's running to you. And because of that, you can go, wait, I'm received, I'm accepted, I'm loved. I don't have to pretend. Okay. If we don't, what happens is, is that we focus on consequences. That's what happens. If we, if we haven't received that kind of chesed, that kind of unfailing love of God, then what we do is we just get upset about the consequences of our sin rather than actually getting upset about the sin itself. Okay, so we see it, we say it, now we can mourn it. Mourn it. You only, see this in verse uh, four, you and only you. And then look at uh, verse 12. Restore the joy of my salvation. We see the real consequences for my sin is not the thing that I'm trying to cover up or the thing I'm trying to avoid. The real consequence of my sin is Jesus on the cross. When we can see that it's Jesus on the cross, then we can mourn deeply because this, is, this isn't just a bad decision on a Saturday night. This crucified the Son of God. And again, unless we have verse one, that will be undone. So we mourn it. We go restore the joy of my salvation. By the way, so you know, you never sin unless you've lost the joy of his salvation. And unless you see something 
as more wonderful and satisfying than Jesus in this particular area of your life, you won't sin unless you've lost that. So when you're feeling great temptation to move towards somewhere, you can even pray this prayer, then God restore to me the joy of my salvation because she won't save me. It won't save me. They won't save me. This won't save me. Only you can save my loneliness. Only you can save my fear, my anxiety, my poor self-image. Only you, Lord, I'm doing this so that she could see me as attractive and wonderful. Lord, Lord would you just... Her appraisal is not what matters. Lord, could you remind me of what you think of me, of how you love me? We mourn it because we see Christ on the cross for our sin. No small, no small consequence. It's the big consequence. So let's see. Let's do this together, okay? We're going to do all four now, right? So if we're going to repent, we're going to have to see it, say it, mourn it, and forsake it. Forsake it is a big deal. So verse 10, you'll see that. What does he say? Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Isn't that key? Isn't that important? Okay. So with me, what that means is that I can't have my phone on me um, when I'm alone. So I got to like power it down, you know, put it to charge, put it in another room because I sin with my eyes. And so I don't want to add anything. So what do I do? So it's like, oh man. So for me, that's having a good, um, like if you have like a, what's it called? Like, the, like blockers on your electronic devices. So that nothing can accidentally come in and nothing can accidentally go out. That's part of it. But more than that is asking God to help me to see what I wanted from this thing that I could have easily found in him. Oh, I just want to be loved. That's why I compromise my morals and my principles. Oh, well, you'll find that there's a love that God gives that can't be duplicated. It's beyond belief and beyond compare. See, it's getting that, forsaking it means finding in Christ that thing that you've been looking for. Maybe you're like some of the women in our church um, who literally, literally eat till they can't eat anymore, and then they throw it up, and they're hurting themselves. And they're looking, they're going, no, 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 I just want to be seen as beautiful. And in order to be seen as beautiful, I have to act in this way. I was like, no, beloved, he calls you beautiful. You're beautiful to him. Radiantly, like createdly so. You go, no, 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 that's not enough. I really need a boyfriend. No, really, really. The, the creator of the universe made you. And he knows. And so, repentance is an important facet of the Christian life. And we have to exercise our desires and our ability to repent every day. And so the way we do it is we see it, we say it, we mourn it, and we forsake it. 
now before I go. Imagine if you started to repent in your marriage. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine. Like that you're no longer trying to prove your spouse wrong, but you're in fact taking on your own sin and asking God to forgive you without having to change anybody else. Imagine what you would be like. Imagine if you didn't have that dark cloud of shame and guilt when Satan comes up to you and goes, yeah, but you know what you did. Here's a clue. Whenever Satan reminds you of your past, would you just remind him of his future? Remember that God has bought you with a high price. Could you imagine what life would be like working at, at your job, not trying to prove your worth to this community, but rather going, I'm going to do the best job because I'm going to bring glory to God. And then I'm going to go home and I'm bringing glory to God there. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my children. I'm going to love my community group and all that. Could you imagine what your life would be like if you repented? I'm telling you, people wouldn't recognize you. It would be amazing. And you would rejoice in Christ, delighting in the work that he's done in your life. Now, before I leave, never forget, ever, that repentance is not what leads to the kindness of the Lord. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. You don't earn your salvation. You don't earn his good grace because you repented. He gives you his goodness and that enables you to repent. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this reminder to my own soul to come to you with my brokenness, knowing that it's your goodness that is bringing me to yourself. Father, I thank you for this patient congregation who's um, heard this message. I ask that by your spirit, you would, in a very real way, deepen this truth of repentance in our heart, that you would help us to see it and say it, to mourn it and to forsake it. And that we would be reminded that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, not repentance that leads us to the kindness of the Lord. And that as we receive that kindness, we would be bold to repent and experience your love. Remind us of this, even as we now uh, enjoy the reminder uh, and the beauty and the wonder and the miracle of the communion table. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.